is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Nice to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Episode 41, Series 6 of the Sounding Board. Damien Barrett, Craig Cutchison with you. And as I look across the desk today, it's a different Hachi I see. A, a sans beard, Craig Hutchison. Hello. Hello, Damo. And uh, first of all, I just want to just offer my support, my condolences, and I'm with you as your friend. We have our occasional jousts here on the sounding board and at the botanical from time to time. But I want to offer my heartfelt support to you. It's going to be for any number of reasons. What comes next? It it has been a really tough week. One of your 22 weeks of holiday have been severely interrupted. You've had a really tough week. And I extend my thoughts to you. I went over your week. Boy, it was a bad one for you. The Melbourne Cup Carnival, magnificent. Went off without a hitch. There was no fatality. There was no incident. It was magnificent racing. We yep. had amazing scenes on Saturday with Brett Preble and James McDonald embracing. It's just that more people watching the um, the other amazing. Meeting, the more, more people watching the, uh, the Derby week. meeting on the on the other station with Channel In- Seven doing Sydney racing. But a- yep, amazing week. Yep, England arrived without a hitch. <laughs> Into the country, staying in the place I stayed in last year. Full strength. Uh, ben Stokes is here. There was no drama, no incident. How is this series going to go ahead? Uh, you swore on the questions edition last week, showing your frustration. There's the square jar. I brought along today a little square jar for you. So if you, if you like digress tin, again. Is it like the last dance tin cup? That one? And just the cyn- – it was a poor week for the cynics. I don't know how the Cynics Association meeting went last Friday when you reviewed the week, but everything that you were sort of potting or doomsdaying or this will never work, unfortunately – you know, and we'll never get back open as a society. Well, I saw people at restaurants and bars on Friday night. Hachi, are you aware of what's happened for the previous two years, man? <laughs> what's happened for the previous two years? Yeah, we've had a pretty tough time in yeah. life. And, and things are just starting to look a little bit up. And I just think that's going to be a hard thing for you to go through for a while. <laughs> oh, please. It really is. It's <laughs> <laughs> not going to be easy for you to get your head around. Improved I, conditions is I, going to be something. Listen, you know, that's going to be a real challenge for you. You've just decided on the front foot today off the top, unbeknownst to me, Hachi. Um, it's clearly because of the weekend just gone being your most precious moment outside your, your family and outside those closest to you. That being New York Marathon. And and you weren't there, and and I know you you get misty eyed that morning in New York when when you make your way to your favourite vantage point when yep. the well, hundreds that- of thousands of runners come across you and you're cheering them all and you're high fiving them all and we had another the week out. I reckon that's got something to do with this, Hachi. I've done eleven New York marathons <laughs> in the bar on yeah, session seventy three. <laughs> You've done five hundred metres in total. Seventy third and first for those who have been to New York or attending to go. Session 73 is the best vantage point of the New York Marathon. It's where it gets closest to an establishment. The front, the big wide street gets right up against the front window, which is open of the pub. And it is a magnificent spot to watch There's a band on the street. There's a, uh, the, is it Carruthers? I don't know. Dean and Carruthers? Not Dean and Carruthers. No, it's, Surely not Dean and Carruthers. I'll find you the band that played Session 73. I always found it, Hachi, an overrated day. You did, didn't you? Yeah, I never liked it. Because you didn't like the, the football disruption. Yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> the marathon the marathon is off about 8 o'clock. For those who have never been to New York City at this time of year, it's a special weekend. Often, not every year, but often you've got Halloween and marathon landing on the same weekend. Not this year, but it seems. And the Sunday is their celebration. That's when the whole city comes out on the street. Yeah. The marathon runs through the five boroughs. You generally know someone. Modern tech means you can track your friends on your phone. You can give them a bit of a cheer or a wave as they run past. <laughs> And you can meet up with other friends to talk about where their friends are. And it's a really great day. It begins about nine in the morning. Unfortunately for you, 
there's not really any marathon venues that are in full support of the TV football experience. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got to make a choice for the only only day of the year. And that bar you used to like going to, I don't think it had one TV, let alone nine. There was a good one across the road, don't forget. Getting across the road in a marathon, always challenging. But there's a way. Whenever there's a there's a there's a way. So anyway, yeah. Well, the fact that's on. I, thank you for your that... text about Happy Marathon Weekend. By the way, I did appreciate that on the. Oh, I just noticed it was on the weekend because uh, it was on a few social media uh, people that I follow, Hutchie, and um, it wasn't. Was it on last? It wasn't on last year, was it? I don't. I don't think it went ahead yeah. last year, but it definitely went ahead this year, didn't it? I think it did. Yeah. yeah. Well, it went on this weekend. Yeah. Just gone. Yeah. We've got plenty of friends who've done. Kane Corn's the most recent Australian I can think of who we know who went over and, and did it. But it is a it's a great weekend. It ends up in Central Park and then. Late afternoon when you gather with all your people who have done it and you know, pretend you'll do it next year. <laughs> it's a it's a great weekend. And you can still make the uh, the last NFL Sunday game, the night game, once the marathon's finished. So you can get one of the three offerings on the day. Yeah, you get the 4 o'clock game in and you get the, you definitely get the 7 o'clock The night game in. 100% you do. <laughs> hey, uh, Tim Smith. Yep. Will, will he end up in media? If so, where? Oh, <laughs> $1.01 Sky News. Yep. <laughs> if you frame your market. If he does. If you frame your market, they're shorter than Winks probably. To, to... Well, he's not bobbing up anywhere else, is he? I wouldn't have thought. Is he or not? No. But but is he is he good media talent? Aren't you? You're, the, think, you're the media yeah, baron. I think, I think there's something there. Like if, Do you? If you're into that kind of, you know, wild way of thinking. <laughs> which, which way of thinking is that, Archie? I love it when you talk about politics. So which side of the fence is he on? Which... which Left or right side well, of Sion, Hutchie? You could see him being back-to-back with Peter Credlin, you know, 4 o'clock and Peter at 6 or vice versa. And Alan Jones left a void. I, li- I like the Left spin- a void? He was given the boot, Hutchie. I like the uh, spin from the defence, which said we had to accommodate uh, Piers Morgan's show <laughs> and we've all got to pay for it. I think it's what Andrew Bolt said, which might have been... Is that what the outcome of that was, was it? Is that, was that made public? That, that, that was part of Andrew's... That, that would be the reason, though, wouldn't it? The, the big signing for next year, Piers Morgan? That, that would be the reason for... Ellen Jones going. Finally, wouldn't it? No. I don't think so. Well, they've got to create a slot for him. A prime time well, they've got slot. 24 hours a day to talk about the same thing. They had to found a slot. The same what thing. What else? <laughs> it, it's, it's 24 hours a day of similar tone coverage, don't I think, they, I think they'd find an hour for, for peers. Look, I think the... Um, I think the sum of all parts probably was the reason in the end, wasn't it? It was probably a mix of uh, the political hate that he was... Tending to draw the the fading influence they thought he had, the cost. Well, just the, the factual inaccuracies too. Didn't they mount up too in the end? I mean, uh, for a man who who was as good as he'd ever been behind a microphone when it comes to to impact and, and longevity, the some of the views being expressed, particularly around COVID situations, Hutchie, they were just you, you can't present stuff that was that far wrong, though, can you? I would think this was their opinion, so please don't interpret it as mine. But they. He sits in the what we talk about a lot here, which is the high risk, high reward, like the risk reward barometer. Yep, you can be high risk, high reward, can't you? And people are taking that high risk reward for forty five years. 50 and in years. days gone by, he was high risk, but high, high, high reward. You know that the risk reward barometer on him it just has just shifted. Like in the, in the context of a career, got got sued semi regularly, badly, didn't he? Well, I think the, to your point, in in their mind, but the Employers kept him on. When the potential upside is not nearly as high, in yeah. fact, it's it's negligible, and the potential risk is high, 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 or high, high. It's got to that stage now. Yeah, like the the pendulum swung. Yeah, and that that's you look at say some of the big stars of radio in Australia, like 
you know, I'm sure not my view again, but you know, Kyle Sandlins would be considered to have some degree of risk attached to him, but they would say that he has high, high, high reward. So they're like, there's a mm. you run the risk reward lens on anything in life. I think Alan probably sit on the right side of it for most of a magnificent career, and and in the eyes of his current employer, no longer on the right side of it. So what does someone like that do then? You seem we've jumped into this topic now um, without the microphone. It's very simple, Damo. It's one 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 word that heals all megaphones. Facebook. Yeah, but you don't get the cut through. Is is my point? Well, in the eyes of those that that bent there, you do because you get much more instant reaction. <laughs> it's not. It's disproportionate reaction. Yeah. You don't get a real lens on Facebook, do you? In fact, well, well I'm not on it, so I don't know. One of the are you on it still? One, you, were, you were on it. I, I maintain an account and check it probably once every eighteen months if I was to be honest. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, you used to be prolific on it. You used to almost make employees join it. No, I never. I never once. Well, you, told, you told us to join Twitter. Oh, put it this way: <laughs> I've never hired a staffer who wasn't on it already. So I don't think that's true. I think your fall, your argument falls away there. But the one of the things it just serves you what you want to hear, right? So the algorithm just serves you. So I guarantee, you, if you signed up today to Facebook, I have got an account. I have. Yep. I actually do have an account. But I your first have... ten request, friend requests would be from cynics associations. <laughs> you'd be served cynical information by the day, and within three months, you'd be believing it all. <laughs> I know you're not on Facebook because you're you're manageable at the moment. But if you were if you were on Facebook, the amount of cynicism you'd be fed in the algorithm would be unbelievable. No, but the, the, a true, unbelievable. Actually, a true cynic won't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you know my you know my position. Honey. I That's don't believe nice anything until I can check it. That's a nice line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So so I, so, I think I you need a new a new adjective. I've been told a bunch of cynicism today. I don't believe a cynicism. I've been told, but I need two sources. To check the cynicism and I'm not believing. I'll just believe those bits I, I want to believe. And that's a cynic. That's a cynic. Yeah. <laughs> um, lots of offerings from our many, many listeners, Archie, and, and sometimes it worries me how much they do listen to the rubbish that we carry on with. The, the taking out the trash component to this show, which uh, which has been around for 100 years, yep. the way Media Outlet's taken it out. You've given it a life in the last three or four years on our show, and I think you've, uh, I suppose put a light on on how media outlets sometimes and occasionally use a downtime in media or a busy time in media take yep. your pick whatever whatever situation is in front of that outlet at the time to release information that that will be lost in the in the news stream or, or, or alternatively um, highlighted in the news stream at a particularly quiet point in time. A couple of our uh, listeners this week suggested that uh, the findings into the Liz Cambage situation being dropped, now was it on a Friday night? Between 5 and 6 p.m. So that's that's high-end news time well, going into a... It's like if, you, if it was a dartboard, it's like the middle of the... Bull. If there was a taking out the trash dartboard... Right. That dart is sitting right in the middle, in Friday the, in afternoon. the middle little circle. So, so again, just take us behind the scenes for for the the lame layperson here in terms of what you mean by that being the dartboard time. Because five to six, the news outlets are getting ready for the six o'clock bulletins, the TV, old traditional news outlets. Everyone's in a different frame no, of mind on yeah, a Friday weekend, no and particularly now we're coming out of COVID. No one's changing the rundown at half past five unless they have to on a Friday in the right. TV newsrooms. Yeah. Even even more significant, it's the earliest deadline day for newspapers. Yeah, comfortably, isn't it? Like, in, uh, certainly when in our time it was. It always was on a Friday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would think that most papers are put to bed by around because there's a lot of, lot of lift outs in the weekend yeah, magazine, got, so got which the, need to be, which have already been printed on the Thursday. All the, usually, all the, but... all the different elements and distribution that come with it, and 
you know, and people are more journalists are of a more relaxed frame of mind, not always, but generally, on a Friday. And the real, the real opinionists, the real this is outrageous, they're not, they're not going to recut a column in an hour. And things can lose momentum over a weekend because <laughs> by the time someone picks it up on a Monday, yeah. it's had a couple of days of life. Well, I almost lost the story. I don't think I came across it on the Friday night. I did because my Twitter feed blew okay. up. With people, <laughs> well, a little trash bag emojis coming everywhere. <laughs> our audience, were, our audience, I reckon I had. I don't know, I won't give you the exact number, but we had yeah, we, we had, had a, a lot of tweets. We had a few. From people yeah. who were, there was like memes of people wheeling out rubbish bins and all sorts <laughs> of stuff bobbing up in our Twitter feeds, which just proves that it. it was well spotted by our audience. It was. And then once I did realise people had been alerting us to it, um, might have been a day or two later, um, I, I did go and find an initial article attached to it, so to speak. Yep. And it was a reasonably underwhelming finding, wasn't it, for something that dominated headlines for a long time? Damo, it was like it was like seven years ago it happened. It was it, in these times it was so long ago. It was back before the Olympics, and <laughs> they've they've come up with a reprimand six months later. And the players, the, the, the player reaction over the weekend looked. There was others on social who were not happy, including, were including oh, yeah, including players. But at, at the leniency of it, is yeah. it? Yeah, okay. but that got lost. Right. It was a masterstroke of like if. That that morning meeting was. They've come up with the reprimand. This independent panel. What are we going to do here? It feels like five thirty to me. <laughs> but but to your point, wouldn't that have been potentially something they could have dropped two months ago? And the finding was. But let, this... Let's wait till Melbourne Cup weekend. Is that what they did? Well, I, I would. I haven't read this particulars, but I, I would assume it was an independent finding, right? So they've had to accept the finding and then take it out late. You can't argue with it with the release time. Everything's independent, though, isn't it? Everything's dependent. Here's the cynicism kicking in. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Archie. <laughs> How independent is anything that's said to be independent? I would assume they can challenge the decision, but you know, do, do they really want to do that versus moving on? Probably again, risk reward. You go, well, okay, probably might have been on the leaning end, but we're, we're going to, we're best just put this behind us, or we're just going to get in a whole raft of. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be challenging it, would you? Well, where, where do you start challenging it? Yeah. To, to, to start, uh, you talk about risk reward already a couple of times today. Is Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers into that uh, risk category now after his carry on and behaviour during the week? For those not aware of it, famous quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, a, a multiple MVP competition winner, yep. uh, as recently I think as even as last year, um, as big a name outside of Brady, and in some instances maybe on an equal with Brady. Uh, it wasn't vaccinated and then went on a rant. Was immunised? Well, he said he was immunised. Yeah, what's was what's the difference, Archie? That was his words. What, what's the difference? Can you explain the difference to me for starters? Because this does get to the core of some of the the narrative around what we're about to talk about. Well, I want your what's view. What's the difference? I want your if view. you said you're immunised, you, I think it's a fair assumption you're vaccinated, aren't you? Yeah, I, I could be. I'm mis- misreading this if I'm wrong on that. What's your view of the situation before I give you mine? My view of the situation is he's a, an entitled person who who chose to think he's the smartest person in the room, as a lot of athletes do in these situations, who's made himself look to be completely ignorant, foolish, and and, and shown up for the for the privileged being that he thinks he is, is my take on it, Hachi. Given that, just to finish the, the facts behind it, uh, has contracted COVID-19, and it's not illegal in the, in the to use that word, in the NFL operations to, to not be vaccinated, but... There's a ramification if you if you're not. Um, others in the sport, including one of his counterparts in the QB ranks, the quarterback ranks, so Kirk Cousins from the Minnesota Vikings, is not, and he's happily well, not happily, but he's more public in advance of not being vaccinated. 
Aaron Rodgers, I think, tried to, to I suppose, live behind the, the lie, so to speak, until yeah. exposed. He says he wasn't asked a second question um, in the uh, initial press conference. But it's, it's, think about that before we get into the, the Aaron effect. The quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, the most discussed athlete in Green Bay, there would be 10, 15, 20, 50, 100 journalists full-time on Aaron. The single biggest story in town was, is he, is he or isn't he vaccinated? And no one had the story mm. that he wasn't vaccinated. It slipped through half a season of, N- of NFL, which I find amazing in itself that he that it didn't. Look, his brand's damaged. Let's just put that on the table for start. Like, I can't imagine State Farm go ahead with those commercials. He's been, you know, the... Well, he hosted Jeopardy in the off-season. Yeah, he was on like, a... He's, he's as big a... He's been on a mass media... Person in the media as much as he is an athlete. He's been on a mass media trajectory. Like, the Jeopardy already offering the full-time job. Like, he... he Crushed it, but he's lost a lot of his everyday brand appeal. It is salvageable for him over time, and he can be a big brand again. His journey to be Peyton Manning is over on the brand set. Like Peyton is in every commercial, he's you can bank him as an athlete. Didn't Peyton Manning make a decision to go to Denver too, based upon one of the commercial offers that were attached to the deal? Yeah, well, he's one of those pizza offerings. He's I think he got ended up with uh, a franchise, didn't you? Or Papa John, who we met at uh, Sundance. Papa John offered him, I think, twenty or thirty franchises as part of the deal. But he's Aaron's on a was on a huge trajectory as a media identity. He'd had some knocks in recent times. The family stuff's been a little bit of an aspect yeah. on him, and his brothers. He's had high profile relationships. His relationships and the, yeah. and the way they've ended have been a yeah. little bit of a kind of point of curiosity for people. And, and he got now, engaged two months after one did end, I think. Yeah. Well, he sat out in the off-season and sort of half That's disrespected the, the team. He actually sledged his own club, didn't yeah, he, he in the off-season? And then, then lost the first game and then won seven in a row and they were flying. Yep. And then had this issue during the week to the point where – and he used the Pat McAfee show, yep. which even in the States – I want to say even in the States – in the States is a, is a significant platform these days. It got well, it's, some – It's huge. It's, yeah. it's the biggest – probably the biggest radio YouTube. Do you, do you watch it any of it? No, I don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware of it. I don't watch it. Yep. I watch a bit of it. It gets served to me in my feeds regularly, right. so – I, don't, I actually don't even know how it, how it finds me, but it does. He's and, good and, talent, and isn't he? Yeah, he's, I mean, he's electric talent. He's now in the WWE as well as the announcer on Friday nights, which I like, as you know. But that, that relationship has been built upon, that interview, it's interesting. He's been a great outlet for Aaron because he connects to a younger audience. He's relatable. He cuts through the BS and it doesn't feel like an interview. And he's always had Aaron's back through these times and giving right. him a voice. But they're always, when you've got a cosy host subject relationship, generally speaking, it backfires somewhere, doesn't it? Because the host, once he's cast in that well, role of. The platform becomes an yeah. issue with those who have a, a different point of view on the topic. Once, once you're casting that role of two buddies who are having a good time and always agreeing with each other, goes on for too long. And then when you get a serious topic like this, it's I, I would suggest it was. It was mishandled, the whole thing, really. Like, he, he wasn't really asked hard questions in that piece at all. Certainly, the, the excerpts that I saw, yeah. he wasn't really asked difficult questions. What about his claim and he over, that he... he overcommitted to a, lun- a lunacy yeah. uh, defence of... Well, he's claimed that he presented 500 pages of, quote, research, which is basically a Google yeah. mechanism that yeah. he seemed to, to... To Roger Goodall, or I mean, at least the NFL. You know my views on this. People doing their own research and think that oh, they can oh. come up with better on a Google search than global professors and scientists can. I mean, give me a spell. So when you line up that situation, Hutchie, with what's happening in the AFLW with uh, Denny Van Hagen, the AFLW player, yep. who has – look, 
again, Hutchie, you know my views. I'm all pro-choice. There's there's ramifications for choice, particularly when it comes to to the way people um, are dealing with the requirements around vaccination for COVID. We've just dealt with the Aaron Rodgers thing. So Denny Van Hagen quite proudly has publicly, and now a few times, before she was effectively removed from the operations of the Adelaide Crows and, and since, has, has said, well, that's who I am and that's what I'm going to continue to be. I admire that. In contrast to what we've just discussed with Erin Rogers, she's not trying to have a, an each-way bed here. Yeah, that's it. I, I admire that too. You can live your life however you want to live it, but you just have to live with the consequences of it. That's it. Yeah, and she can't play, right? That's But that's her choice. Yeah. It's her choice. Yep. And it's, it's and, and I, I seriously do admire the way she's gone about that aspect of it. I don't agree with her, Hutchie, but I admire no, I that aspect agree, of it. I don't agree either. And if, um, but that's, you know, if, unfortunately can't play. Yeah. But, but she knows that's the outcome of the decision she's made. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's okay. And, and, and I'd rather that as an organisation, and I had my doubts about the AFL being as firm as they have been on this. Yep. Um, because it's it's very clear, isn't it? It's very clear. You're not playing. Well, I mean, in the states, like everything rules in the states, and and, and you you can play in the states under certain. We're in a pandemic scenarios. that's not going away. Like, yeah, you know, it's not going away, is it? We've got twelve, thirteen hundred cases a day in Melbourne, mm. and and showing no signs of slowing down. Just quickly on that, and, and how's it? To, people are going to have to manage living with it. And if your choice as an athlete is to not play, that, that's entirely it's your call. F- fair and reasonable. If you're not out endangering others in working in Big places and yeah, but like I can't have your cake and eat it too. Our conversation on this topic will be different again next week to what it was last week. But what are you seeing for the third season of COVID impact on an AFL perspective? Obviously, there's going to be like this. This is a fact, an impact of of a, of a serious nature in the AFLW season because that, because that starts in January, and at that point, the WA borders won't be open sufficiently enough to have yeah. free movement. So, th- there's one thing we know as a fact as we speak right now. If you can, and I know it's almost impossible on this topic, but if you can, you, you do have a line of sight into conversations. A lot of people don't. What are you seeing in May, June next year from an AFL perspective? I feel pretty bullish around where AFL will end up. They're going to land in March. We're going to have all borders open. We're going to have a society that's more equipped and used to dealing with it. We're not going to have the consequence of a case. Like we had cases at the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday and it was like a footnote in a press release. Like we've moved pretty quick in the mentality, haven't we? Now, that's not to say that those people and businesses and those affected, like the, there was talk of the little mini outbreak at the, the party, the, the uh, restaurant at night. By the way, thoughts with Chris Lucas if, if, on that instance because he was such a, a a big voice around getting Melbourne open and restaurants open for him to have to deal with it. Like, just not fair, is it? But it's the way life life goes sometimes. There's certainly a bit going on in that party, actually, even in the um, in the in the very early stages of it. Yeah, look, the festive evening. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many cases. Oh, We're not going to probably hear them. God knows what was going on after hours. We're not going to hear about the specifics of cases anymore. And I, I understand that too. So, like, I think the footy season will be pretty good. We'll have incidents along the way. We'll have cases. We'll have, you know, maybe a sh- shutdown a day or two here or there, and we'll have a player miss. And but, uh, and there'll be something we, we we're yep. not yet seeing, won't there? But fundamentally, we'll, I think we'll be fine. You look at Sydney's getting a disproportionate run at the moment, so its cases are very low. You can't imagine that continues, but it's living a, a loud and proud life right now, and it's really interesting to see the comparison to Melbourne. What, what worries me a little bit, not a little bit, but what I think we need a caution against is, unfortunately, sadly, Victoria and New South Wales are quite 
adept at dealing with COVID situations because of the fact they've had to for a long time. Victoria for 18 months, yeah. Sydney for six months. There's a conditioning component a to con- that. Yeah. It's not an, 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 uh, the right term, but they're COVID fit in terms of being able to respond to yeah. problems. And compliance is higher. I think it's um, fair to say, having experienced quite recently, as you did, the WA situation, yeah. they're, they're not conditioned to what well, could be ahead of them. WA, Tasmania, South Australia, Northern Territory, and to a slightly lesser extent, but not too much. Queens, and, and they may Queensland. avoid it too, by the way. They may avoid it, but... No, but they're, gonna, they're going to have Delta in their communities. you think so. And they have to get themselves ready to deal and cope and be more compliant than they are because they haven't had to live through what... Victoria and New South Wales have had to live through. Yep. Would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I would. Uh, and so again, but WA was eye opening, wasn't it? In well, terms extraordinarily of extraordinarily, in terms of in terms of nothing, nothing happening over yep. there. And the, in, in a COVID restrictive and the, sense. And the good news is there's a clear path out by the premier, and there's a date, yeah. and there's hope. The probably challenging side of that is it didn't come with any consequence between now and then. So like, people need to get vaccinated and vaccinated quickly in these communities. Yeah. yeah, so the Northern Territory we need to support. As are much you as still we can. subscribing as as I am that there will be a a significant rolling component to the fixture next year? The, the, the way I read it, Hutchie, and this might be all the first eight rounds. Aren't they? I reckon they do first six to eight, maybe. Yep. But then I think they'll have the matchups beyond that point. But with the ability to play them yep. whenever. So I don't know why is you that can't your take. Well, the the NBL have released a full fixture, and it'll get recut. I'd assume in the next couple of days on the so, back. So when does that start? On December three, okay. with with full crowd at this stage, it depends on on where. On but H, yeah, yeah. I, I think there's good, very good hope around crowds. What's wrong with releasing fixtures and saying highly likely to change along the way? But just give everyone a starting point. I don't know what's wrong with with, with venues and times. So the AFL could say, "Here's a fixture around one to twenty six. Yeah, please note this could change weekly. And, and the twenty six you refer to as the four weeks of finals. Yeah, like a starting point. A North Star is not the worst approach, is it? A what? A North Star. Like, this is what it could look like if nothing went wrong. The, the only problem with that is, Hutchie, and, and just speak to Marcus King and others around the fixture at the AFL, it, it, I, I think there's another layer of issue if if it's already released publicly. Why, why is that? Uh, because. Why? It, what could it, it's pe- hard enough to change. I mean, the, the, it's extraordinary they haven't had something blow up in their face in a, a, in a significant way with, with what they have had to deal with on the run. This is a penciled-in fixture, and an, it's unlikely to look like this, but it'll you get your head around it. But it, but it is penciled if they say in round 17, Richmond is to play St Kilda at Marvel Stadium or at MCG. Yeah, but I, the modern... But, but the flexibility around leaving it, is it, is it Saturday night? Is it Friday no, night? Is it Sunday we're, afternoon? We're fully... Like, sport has learnt to move... Quickly, ticket sales go on sale to. later. Like, are we fine? But I think to your point, you don't need to put that venue in at the back in October or November this year for May or June or July next year. Okay, makes that's feel, my take. Makes you feel better. We'll just release the first eight weeks. Well, I think okay. I, no, I just I, that's my. I think it is. I'm not, it's not a contest, Hutchie. It's not that's a competition. It. It's, it's a, just that. Why would you lock it in? Okay, agree. All right. Police work, Hutchie. Oh, um, I watched the. F- uh, 60 minutes on, on Sunday night. Oh, I want to get to this. It's a, yeah. it's a great, great story. And now, I don't know whether this issue and this topic has captured the, the full nation's attention as it has here in Victoria about the, the missing campers, Russell Hill and Carol Clay. Yep. Um, high country, Victoria. It was only last year. It feels like about five years ago. It was only early last year where they, they went away and have not been seen against in the most uh, rugged, beautiful, but remote bushland 
in in the state. Uh, they seem to be the police getting closer to potentially knowing who it is. I now I watch that report. I feel I feel they now know who they think did it. Yeah, but they can't say. Yeah. Now that's just my reaction to that as a viewer. How often among police stories in your time do you feel that is the inst- like take us in? Were your police surrounds whenever in the? Oh, I, I did a couple of <laughs> stints of police surrounds. <laughs> Hutchie, it how, wasn't, how it wasn't long, a highlight of how my... How uh, did you do police rounds for? might have been about three or four months. I, I did police rounds with Anthony Catalano. Oh, yeah. Remember him? Yep. Hutchie, as you might say, remember him, the, the, the big businessman, but he was a chief, chief police roundsman. Was he really? Bri- Brian Walsh. Oh, was yeah. Too, I, I don't know Moore? where Walsh he was at that time, but... Keith Moore there? Was he? Peter, yeah, Peter, that was a bit later. Peter Mickleborough? Peter No, he was state rounds. I did... I worked with Peter Mickleborough in state rounds. Mark Butler? He wasn't there then. Well, not that I recall. Yeah. yeah. But no, I did. No, so to answer your question, I feel a lot of presentation of that type. Now, again, I, I don't know whether I'm getting into a zone here, Hutchie, where I, I'm getting way out of my, my areas we should be talking about. But if the police know who this is, or at least if they've narrowed it down to a, a shortlist, it wouldn't be the first time that they've used a major media. Used the media to try and yeah. flush out. Yeah. I think it's very clever policing, what? by the way. Well, I, I must have been. I haven't. I didn't see all of the story. I I turned on to watch Winks. I thought Winks only ever went off the <laughs> Actually, top. You texted me. You said, well, you said, "Where is Winks?" I thought the story had been pulled for legal reasons. <laughs> and I said, "No, there's a better story on now." And that being the Carol Clay. Yeah, and and so I unfortunately didn't. Russell Hill. I, I wish I'd stayed and watched the whole story, but I ended up going to sleep because <laughs> I thought you, you can't put Winks on the undercard of a fight. He doesn't. You don't turn up and say, "Welcome to the night's heavyweight fight." Before we get started, here's the best fire in the world. Sparring at the start, like that's the tease, Haji. You keep the viewer on. That that, that you've taught me that. You sometimes have your best story I know, late. He, although, ne- although I think this, I've never seen him not, is a better story. I've never seen him not open the bowling before on sixty minutes. It was the first time. Yeah, but sometimes you use your best bowler as you do a pitcher well, as, as the pitcher, Haji. But what I would, would reflect on for a moment is our police rounds day. So for what? <laughs> you want to get back to my theory on? <laughs> yeah, well, I think this feeds into this relationship between media and police because it's more pronounced than the. Media versus sport relationship. It, it's it's deeper, right? There's a there's a more of a mutual need, isn't there? There's a, there's, I would say historically, yes. It's, I feel there's a divide now between well, authorities as there are clubs and sports media. Well, it's with, the ultimate love hate relationship, police yeah, and media. Yeah, they are frenemies with a capital F. Mm. They are ten o'clock in the morning. You're of use to me at two o'clock in the afternoon. You're useless. Yeah. Right. That's. I don't think I'm talking about at school, Hutchie. It wasn't an unfamiliar occurrence for a lot of media to be drinking lots very late at night with senior police people around town. Oh, thank you for that extraordinary newsflash. I don't think that's... Because I don't think anyone would have... any confidence oh, wow. anyone. You've not knocked me off my chair. I don't know how I'm going to deal with <laughs> that, that, that hidden secret that you've just delivered into the sounding board world. Wow. I mean, you, oh my what goodness. I, what I'm saying to you, though, Al, that is not happening now. Oh boy, I'm just going to dust myself off and deal with that <laughs> shock news that's landed on my landed on my desk. If you so, had a beard, you'd still be running your hands through your beard at that uh, revelation, wouldn't you? I had two my two months at police rounds. You said you had two you did stints. police rounds. Of course, I did. Everyone did it as a cadet. My memories were this: Harold Sun in the police rounds. A, it was opposite the police station. It wasn't in the building. Greg Tom was another. Greg Tom was one of the greats. Yeah, that, that one of the great beard. people too. So police rounds was opposite. The, the, cop, the cops yep. station, yes. So <laughs> you were too important to be in the building with everyone else. You had to be close to the cops across the road, yeah. 30 metres away. Behind that place that served the Chico Rolls, remember on the corner? 
You're in the, I don't remember that bit, actually. You know, you're in a side little office there. You would not have, you walk past, you wouldn't have known the Herald Sun police rounds. No, it was, yep. Yep. It was messy, messy yep. office. There was the police rounds truck. Remember that? Well, there, it was, there was a white, a, was a carpool. white Camry. Yeah, no, there was a carpool, yeah. Or a couple of white Camrys yeah, that were yeah. anonymous enough to be at crime scenes. And occasionally they were used for police work, actually, those cars. Oh, of course they were. Occasionally. But they were known, <laughs> for whatever reason, as the police rounds truck, even though they look nothing like a truck. <laughs> and so, you know, you'd get thrown the keys to the police rounds truck. And you, the aim was to go and park out when you're out covering police work. And yep. park. it was one of those cars that would blend into the other cars so you wouldn't be seen to be a reporter. The other thing you did, you just put up a... A, a, a placard, um, media, and that was so that gave you some clout yeah. around town. Imagine putting up a media slide now. Your car would be trashed by the time you got back to it. Remember the scanner? Yes, yeah, scanner. Yep. Scanner. <laughs> yes. And and the and the the voodoo shift. The scanner. The scanners going everywhere. The, one of the. Do they th- do you still do. I don't think they do scanners. One of the now, things. Can you get access to scanners? I think you can. And those days you could ring a policeman and they could just get in the files and check something for you. But these days the files oh. now there's a trace there's yeah. a tracer whether you've been in. And so there should be. The other thing I remember was the midnight shift was the tough one because yep. you got to deal with all the bad stuff overnight. It was pretty tough. For, and that always went to a young person. Oh, and some of the stuff you did here on a scanner, it was, like, it was pretty it was, harrowing. That was, for me, a welcome to Melbourne wake-up call on life. Like, you're on midnight police rounds. First job on police rounds at midnight, you had to get in the police rounds truck and you had to drop off tomorrow's papers to the prison, the remand centre, the was fireys. The police shops. So you'd walk in, like, the first hour of the night was to maintain the relationships. So you'd you'd get, you'd get have, like, a stack of newspapers on your front seat, and they'd be, like, in bundles of five or ten. And did, the, did you actually drop them off? Everyone, everyone did the overnights had to. Oh, no, so I did two, maybe three months of the overnights. So 12, I think 12.01 was the remand centre. Hey, boy, hey, guys. Did you ever write a story on overnights? Because I didn't do the overnight shift, thankfully. Overnight stories all the time. So where did, where did they appear in the, in the Herald the next morning? Well, the thing was... Or, or the morning edition... What would happen is you'd get... The, sorry, the afternoon edition of the... you get so. usurped. So you'd get quotes or something from a scene at 4.30, and yeah. then it'd be the lead then story the in the PM edition. Yeah. But by 10 o'clock, the daytime guys would come in and say, the, the big dogs. Get out of the way. I've got this. <laughs> what have you got but for But if us? you had one or two really good quotes, you might end up as the second byline <laughs> the next day. Do you know what I mean? So it yeah. might say, you know, this story by Greg Tom and Damien Barrett, and you've just contributed the the next door neighbours account of events yeah. at paragraph 32. But you'd go remand centre, then you go, I remember the... In those days, you'd still want your name to be on it, wouldn't you? It still was a bit of a badge of honour, even if it was the third or fourth name of a good story. Of course it was. Yeah. yeah you were trying to build your and, career. And then as you got older, you realised that the manipulation of the order of byline was was a, a skill set in itself. Well, it was an art. Some of the biggest stories ever broken had the name of the yeah, journalist I mean, who had contributed least to it, Hutchie. Yeah, I, I can remember journalists who, who were not... Great at journalism, but were full time manipulators <laughs> of the byline placement. Yeah, but you, you'd, the first hour would be gone. So take you about one to deliver the paper. So you'd go and you have to go to the fireys. You'd have to go to a, at least a couple of the police. You'd go down to the one at uh, near South Bank there. The police drop them off there, and the because the, generally the overnight um, central services. Hopefully it was a quiet night, and hopefully they were bored. And they, the paper being arrived, you might as well been delivering donuts. They were just so happy to see you. And then you'd say, you know, anything going on out the back? Yeah. <laughs> oh, quite not. Oh, there's one something, one's happening out west, can't say too much. Oh, what part of town? You know, you'd be trying to chisel information in the first hour. Anyway, it was, that was. But I, the, I don't even know whether there is a police roundsman anymore with, but, with resources being cut. That, that office you referred to has been removed as far as I know. Is, it, oh, I, what, I think so. What, what a long way of saying, because we're reflecting, we're telling war stories again. 
<laughs> and in, in a very serious area, by the way. But it was a long way of saying the police would use the media frequently and often to, if they felt they knew something about, they, they often, police would do things like, we think we know who it is. Yep. We can't say, we can't be seen to say. Yep. It'll really help us if you did a story on this and we'll square up on that. Well, the, and, the revelations in that piece, which were revelations given, we've all been, I've been reading every single word about this for, what is it now, 18 months, 20 months. There was an old, a potential altercation. Like that was, that was yep. whoa, really? And then the other one was this, this, very, very uh, clean sketch of a dark four-wheel drive with a trailer. Yep. If you own a dark four-wheel drive of the era in question, I reckon you're going to have already spoke, had a, received a call from someone or you're about to, obviously, Hutchie. Yeah, and sometimes they, they, they leak things. Sometimes they leak red herrings too. Absolutely, they do. Yeah, no, they do. Have you ever been complicit in a red herring? Uh, Again, it's a question without me. Nothing jumps to what mind. What I mean by red herring is... Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. We're, we're pretty certain we know who it is. No, I don't... I we're going to throw them off the scent by reporting that we're looking at something else altogether. Yeah, to flush out To the make them relax who, a bit, and then yeah. we're going to try and sweep on them. And you've got a decision to make as a journalist to say, okay, do I no, play no, ball here or do I... But, but I mean, when you talk about red herrings in a sports context, there are different red herrings to a... A murder case. Um, no, I don't think I have. Because no, like, you've got to put your name to what you believe to be the yep. case as well. I, have I you? Well, Same thing you asked the question. Well, I think if the police person is quoted on something. If they're quoted, yeah. Then you're entitled to cover the quotes regardless of whether you think they're telling the truth or not, Absolutely. Or not the truth. If it's a police source who wants to remain anonymous, I think you'd yeah, be yeah, uh, I, I, wary I, of that one. Yeah, I don't think you play ball If you it. don't believe it. But what I would say is the police... Unless it's a high-powered source or an impeccable source. The police... Oh, the, we'll get to the hierarchy in a moment. The police media in general, people who cover police, uh, do a wonderful job in very difficult circumstances. I would agree. I would agree. Because they, they know so much more than they report they most do. of the time. And they've got to use tact and yep. judgment. Sometimes they've got to talk, talk editors around too. They've got to say, look, mm. no, no, what you don't understand is yep. if we do this, this will happen here. Yeah. And, and they aren't part of... Keeping the community safe. Well, the I, know, whole, I know that sounds a bit shallow as a journalist, but the whole lawyer ex expose Hachi, that that was a work of the finest journalism you've ever seen. From from that holding of information for such a long time, yeah. to to join A to B to C to D to whatever it goes to, and then then you go bang with everything. But think, that that was. I think policing for the most part is made better by media. I, I do. I think it's an important part of the process, but it's it would be a challenging relationship at times. Yeah. Uh, speaking of media, Channel 7, uh, I'll just read one of the many articles uh, published on this. This is relating to the Cleo Smith abduction and, and subsequent finding. A man wrongly identified by a Seven West media platform as the suspect in, in custody over the abduction of Cleo Smith could sue the conglomerate for more than 400000 That's um, a story coming off uh, Lauren Pilat, Holly Thompson, and Cassandra Morgan. There were many stories of that type over seven a Seven West Media platform, basically publishing yep. photos of the wrong person. Yeah, I think there was, and I think it was only briefly, by the way, on sevennews.com.au, there was images, at least two, I think, of the wrongfully accused. Uh, that would be tremendously traumatic for the wrongfully accused. Very, very... I can't, I can't imagine hard, too much worse. Hard to deal with. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Actually, I can't imagine anything worse than that, Hutchie. So when you say it would be traumatic, yes. But I, I, what I what I would say is not in defence of Seven in any way, shape, or form. 
it was just a human error that went wrong. It wasn't anyone's deliberate attempt to. Of course not. But but actually, it gets pretty serious when your photos up with that. Yeah, and charge against you, and they will be probably sued and probably expected and probably did all they could to mitigate it and will reach a, a solution. Well, hang on. This is what I want to talk about. Did, did they do all they could to mitigate it? Because this gets to a conversation we have semi-regularly on this show about the social media arms of these organisations not necessarily having the same media training, the yeah. proper media training to get the facts right. Um, they're they're click-driven pursuits. They might have had the training in the click, but not the fact. I don't want to sound to be in, in defence of the publisher because that's it's indefensible. Yep. It was just a human error though. Like it's having But Hatsi, It was a story I, that was moving I think it's at, too simple and almost flippant to just dismiss it as such. It was a story moving at such pace and yeah. such velocity. And and here's the problem. People acting in haste and pace yep. without doing what you need to do. Whatever outlet it was, it, it, there is a there is a a connotation of respect and authority when yep. you're when you're hitting send on something attached to a major news organisation yep. as seven is in this country. Yeah. So, so the expectation is that it, whatever appears beneath it, at least as a starting point, it cannot be what it was. The, the decision to identify the accused is a decision that needed to be made in the highest corridors of the newsroom and with full yep. research. It, it sounded like the decision was made in a less skilled area of the business without sounding too too harsh about it. Doesn't It's an indefensible error and shouldn't be excused. Mistakes unfortunately happen when people are moving at speed and there probably hadn't been a situation like this for a, a fair while where everyone was in sync with each other in the newsroom as to what decisions were being made by who. I don't think anyone's stage. ever in sync with what comes out of no. out of social media arms. Well, Sometimes. Now, newsrooms don't really scenario practice these things, though, do they? Because no. you don't get a day off. So you, like, you don't all no. of a sudden say, look, we're, we're closing the paper for four days and on Tuesday we're going to rehearse what how we behave yeah. if something massive happens yeah. and who makes decisions and in what sequence and who's got time off on what and where and how. And that goes through our whole business. Once upon a time it was just one platform, right? Now it's ten. Yeah. So... Yeah, I'm not defending it, but it was a it was a fair. All all I would say is, anytime you you identify anyone accused of anything, it's a it's a big deal. It's a massive deal, and it needs to be signed off by the decision maker. I, I would think so. Yeah. yeah, and if indeed it was signed off by the decision maker, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine it was though, because it, otherwise it wouldn't just appear on the dot com. Right? Would it have been? Well, anyway. again, I, I would have thought so. Yeah, Haji, let's head to question of the week. On the sounding board, it's our question of the week for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to drink, choose to Drinkwise. Um, there's a lot of options on this, Archie, and I might just take one of a less heavy notion here today. Mark Macker on Facebook. Do you guys have an article or a piece that you published years ago that still makes you cringe, or do you move on easily? I've got several, Archie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll I'll get by saying... Yes, but yes. <laughs> I cringe and then move on <laughs> quickly. I cringe and I don't. I, I, I carry my mistakes <laughs> forever. <laughs> One that um, is actually Spud used to remind me, Hachi. I, I, in my early, my early days of writing. He was the, he was the God love his memory. He was the master of unpicking oh, your uh, yeah. 
<laughs> and I'd forgotten this one until he raised it again. I, I'd chosen to forgot this one. Um, early days of Nick Revold and Justin Kaczynski being picks one and two. Remember, one was a yep. priority pick, Revold, yep. and Kaczynski, or was it the other way around? I can't remember. But yep. um, that 2000 draft, I think it was. Oh, yeah. Um, so one went one, one went two. Yep. And then Revold missed the first half of the first year with a yep. knee Cosby injury. Cosby won the rising star. Cosby won the rising star. <laughs> I I dared suggest that Cozzy might have been the better pick anyway. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fair to say a couple of years later, very early days, that wasn't the case. <laughs> anyway, Spud reminded me of that one. Yeah. So there, there's one example, Mark, of, uh, of the many pieces of rubbish that you uh, you do right at a point in time and, uh, yeah, move on from. But, yeah. but I, I do I, I do carry it, yeah. Yeah. The, the best way to be would be to uh, move on, Hutchie. That's it. Yeah. You don't want to volunteer one here at this short notice? Oh, I think we t- oh, most of mine we talked about along the way. Yeah, you have. Yeah. Yep. That does wrap up this edition of the Sounding Board for DrinkWise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise.